If I asked you what you consider to be the water we're swimming in, um, I'm sure there would be ample variety of answers in this room. Uh, one pretty common response seems to be culture. And culture is the water. And in our work over the last year or so in adult religious education class and with some of our affiliate organizations, that has been heavily underscored in multiracial multi relationships and across class differences and, and a number of other places. Uh, culture plays heavily into our assumptions, our blind spots, um, and our possibilities. And certainly, culture is a soup, is a soup that flavors all of our experience. I wanted to talk this morning about the water we swim in as the intangibles. And once upon a time, that might have been something that was kind, there would be kind of a tacit understanding, that, you know, that that meant things like love and compassion and kindness and beauty and uh, belonging and hope. Uh, but now, if you look on the internet at tangible, intangibles, what you're going to find the most of is talk about intangible assets. Intellectual capital, sports talents and instincts, brand recognition. Yet another example of material and commercial interests displacing the things that have real value. For me, the perpetually unfolding creative mystery of the universe. The light, the underlying principle, the root source of everything that evokes wonder or that we perceive as beauty and love, the sacred, that which is ever beyond naming and description, but which nonetheless sustains us, is the water, for me. Anytime I feel truly alive, it becomes palpable to me. Like a presence I can't see or explain, and I understand that that's not necessarily everyone's experience. But to some degree, and at least between some of us, I expect the difference is in the terms we would use to describe it more than the experience itself. My descriptions tend to be more mystical, or what Michael Dowd used to come talk about, thank God for evolution. Um, would have at some point back along his path have called night language. And others would use more empirical language, uh, no matter the differences. I mean, things that 
concrete imagery. Um, but no matter what the differences are, we're nevertheless in this suit together. With regularity, I run across references indicating we're in a time in which the dis disciplines of deep awareness or spirituality and of sciences of all sorts are running into each other more and more. As they pursue further development and refinement of, of the, these disciplines and of their fields, they encounter something useful from the other side of that centuries-old divide between science and religion or spirituality or uh, each seeking truth hit a fork and I think it was probably in the fourth century that it started when Augustus of Hippo said that uh, some of the things in the Bible might not need to be taken literally fourth century Everybody's been seeking truth the whole time since then. This was not anything I had written down, but it occurs to me that that's an absolute reflection of the political division in this country, how the things started in one place, went someplace different. Now, I think subtly, slowly, and you have to look for where, but the roads are coming back together. Those who are cross-discipline see it most easily. And uh, they're finding more and more common ground and even lo uh, loaning language to one another. For the last few decades, study has been shifting to broader and more inclusive fields and away from some of the specialized silo, um, narrow focus that it's been on for a good while. Uh, disciplines of every description are learning that where they have been isolated to solve their puzzles, they're now facing the need for considering pieces of things that may have seemed totally unrelated. And fundamentalists from any camp are going to be the least likely to grasp the value of these discoveries or the last, the last to be willing to open to the possibility. The union and generativity uh, all very much puts me in mind of um, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, and I don't know how many of you know who that is. Um, he is the man who, who taught the Beatles Transcendental Meditation. Um, Maharishi always talked about the unified field. I used to go over to a Transcendental Meditation instructor's house and watch videos of Maharishi. He was precious, but uh, 
but he was always talking about the unified field. And for him, um, quoting from the Transcendental Med Meditation, the TM website, the unified field is fundamentally a field of consciousness with the dual characteristics of existence and intelligence. It goes on to explain that this is different than the individuated uh, awareness that we identify as self most of the time. But anyway, um, quantum physicians started making foundational shifts in their theories because of the stuff Maharishi was talking about. Now Einstein had been talking about it for a long time. Uh, and his work talked about fields or led people towards thinking about things in fields rather than like the pull of gravity or the force of gravity. Now there's a gravitational field. And it talks about, the, the sciences talk about the relationships that, that that gravitational field has on everything around it. Same is true for magnetic fields. Same is true in psychology about relational fields. But, but they're all talking about fields and broader images of how things interact with one another, the influence they have on one another, and how they are not something that can be separated out anymore. I think what we're doing is running into the water. In 1963, Maharishi predicted that the discovery of this one basis for material existence would be the crowning accomplishment of physical science. He said it would be the ultimate achievement in the history of development of physical science. Who's to say it won't be? If, however, these ideas don't resonate with you or ring true, then please let your connection be openness to the ocean of possibility and the as yet unrevealed parts of the interdependent web of, which, of existence of which we are a part. You know, with the idea that there is more we cannot see than what we can see in every molecule, in every atom, um, that there's more that so far humans can't see <laughs> than there is substance or the things that we get, we find to have substance. Um, just to me keeps saying we have to stay open. We have to know there's more to this. The field of possibility is perhaps 
the most fecund. The ocean of possibility. For science and spirituality to both confirm the underlying oneness of everything, how beautiful an ideal would that be? One in spirit, one in source. One in this resource. We only have one planet so far that we can live on. And a whole lot of it will depend on our interactions. We can trust the water. We'll move through the world with more openness. If we can create more peace in our own being, we carry it better with us as we go.